Welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast, a place of conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. Well, hello and welcome to another Bible Feed Podcast. I'm Paul Davenport and uh, I'm joined by Dan Weatherall for this uh, conversation that we're going to have uh, today about uh, Judgment Day. So we're going to start our thinking about this this subject uh, with a um, a question for you for uh, for our for our listeners. So when you think about the judgment seat, the Judgment Day, how does that make you feel? So just ponder that that question, and uh, pretty soon I'll ask Dan to uh, to get into how he feels about Judgment Day, and uh, and then we'll start looking at some some passages from from the bible that will help us help us think through uh, perhaps how we could view that and imagine it and, and feel about it so judgment day the judgment seat it's it's part of the theology of most um if not all christian traditions different christian traditions might put it in different places at different times and involving different people but there are common themes uh, somehow it's a process in which things are sorted out wrongs are, are righted and, and there's a final reckoning uh, of things. So so think about that question. How how does it make you feel? Are you are you pleased at the prospect of, of Judgment Day? Does it make you excited? Or perhaps like me, uh, a little bit nervous um, and, and maybe even scared of, of the prospect of, of Judgment Day. So we're going to explore that. So um, so welcome, Dan. And and how are we going to start thinking about this? Hi, Paul. Yeah, yeah. It's um, we like we like approaching the the topics that are sort of have high emotion, don't they? And or or deep and meaningful <laughs> topics. So so yeah, we've done it again. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're right. So we're coming from this at this topic from the Christadelphian or biblical Unitarian sort of position, aren't we? Um, in that Judgment Day is positioned at the appearing of Jesus on the earth again, the, the second coming. That that's the okay. when it's per, perceived to be. You know, other other traditions, other parts of Christianity might traditionally put it at the pearly gates in heaven, that that kind of thing. You know, this this prospect of of, of judgment. So, and we've talked in other podcasts about why we see Jesus coming again and in the inheritance on the earth being important. So we won't go into that now. Um, but the idea that we're all to be judged is the thing that we're, we're thinking about. And I think um, there's there's two passages for me to, that we could start off with that they illustrate the, the kind of problem or the, the, the thing we've got to wrestle with. So the, the first of those is in uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So I'll just read uh, read this one out to you. So 2 Corinthians 5 okay. and, and verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And then Paul again carries on and says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. I think some translations have that as terror. Um, and, and basically the point there is, if we're all going to appear before the judgment seat and that strikes a bit of fear in our hearts. Therefore, we do the X, Y, and Z, you know, that kind of thing. So so that's on, on one side, you know, we might feel pretty terrifying about this prospect. And then, but the, on, the, on the flip side, there's that passage in, in first letter of John and chapter four, verse 17, 18. Okay, so this is the first epistle of John. These are the, the little epistles that, uh, that come just before 
the book of Revelation right at the end of the New Testament. So 1 John 4, uh, so it says this, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Okay, thanks. So so there's, there's another angle on this. It's talking about the day of judgment, judgment day, okay? And John is saying that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. So on one hand, we might fear it we might be terrified by the prospect but on the other hand we can have confidence and Mm. a christian can have confidence so and then it goes on to talk about well there's no fear in love but you know if you do have fear then that's to do with punishment There's, there's a few things we need to unravel there aren't there and it's almost like there's a there's a line between the two that we've got to try and draw and work out what's going on and work out well i suppose paint a picture of what we think judgment day is going to be like and then work out from that how we should feel about it as Christians. Yeah, okay. So so somehow we've got to balance those two ideas in those two different verses. But when we think about some of the some of the biblical images that spring to mind associated with the judgment day or judgment seat, I mean they're pretty powerful images and most of them seem designed to instill terror mm. or uh, or apprehension in in some form. And I'm just thinking of the way it appears in in Christian art. For example, there's the there's, there's the artwork on the the Sistine Chapel ceiling, which depicts the uh, the Judgment Day and the dividing of of people into one side or the other. And and while that's an artist's representation of of something, it it seems drawn from biblical pictures like uh, Revelation. We mentioned we were in one John four, we were just before the Book of Revelation, so. I'm thinking particularly of Revelation chapter 20, where there's a picture painted there. Revelation 20 and verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. No place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And then it goes on to to describe uh, what happens uh, as a result of the judgment and finishes up in verse 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Um, So there's a pretty powerful set of images there. Yeah. So judgment day, and and, and in particular that phrase, the judgment seat, um, which we saw from that Corinthians Mm. passage, didn't we? That that really does picture or bring to mind a courtroom scene, doesn't it? Um, And I think that's a... A really common Im- image that certainly one that I've had, and I think many people have. I mean, to to, to quote Whitney Houston. So um, Whitney Houston, <laughs> not necessarily a big fan of 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 her stuff, but picking up <laughs> songs around my formative <laughs> years. Um, there's one that starts, isn't there? If tomorrow is Judgment Day and I'm standing on the front line, and the Lord asks me what I did in my life, I will say, do you know what? Do you know what the what she carries on? I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> that I spent it with you. I will say that I spent it with you. Ah, right. Okay. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> I'm touched. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, the point there is that you know, there's this picture of Judgment Day, and everyone's standing in a long line, and it gets to the point where she's at the front line. <laughs> she's at the front, and yeah. she's got to respond to a question. 
the Lord says, what have, what have you done with your life? And she's got to say something and she's got something very positive to say, <laughs> which is which is wonderful. Um, right. So, uh, you know, that, that really conjures, I don't know, a sense of, wow, have I got to really explain what I've done with my life? I mean, there's passages yeah. which we think we'll get to, won't we, um, hopefully, that talk about, you know, maybe explaining the things that you've done in your life and that's pretty terrifying prospect isn't it and and actually that's that's similar to to the things that are in my imagination i imagine a place on on the earth because Mm -hmm. you know the context for in terms of our faith is that this is around the return of jesus so i imagine a a remote location somewhere uh, whether it's mountainous or you know it's it's Mm. whether there is such a (laughs) <laughs> a place that isn't covered by um, NATO satellites these days um, that, that would be out of sight from <laughs> from from the rest of the world and you know a secret location mm. and and I, I just have this sense of waiting with a group of mm. people for my turn to step forward to go wherever and, and there's there's also, there's images like you know the separation of the sheep and, and the goats and being sent one way or the other way. Like yeah, that. yeah. There's there's the books as well, aren't there? That that came up in Revelation. You had this idea of consulting the books. Let's see how you've done, and everything you've yeah. ever done is written in a book. Yeah. And they, you know, Jesus can flick through and say, "Well, on this date, you did this. Can you explain why yeah. you did this?" You know, that yeah. that sort of thing. I don't think is uncommon in in any Christian tradition, actually, to sort of, mm. to imagine Judgment Day being that kind of thing. And and it, do, it does, yeah. you know, that feels like that's really quite a terrifying prospect. There's other descriptions of, you know, mm. there's, there's one is taken and the other is left. Mm. There's phrases like that. You know, I'm never quite sure whether it's the one the one that's been taken or the one that's left is, <laughs> is in the good situation. Mm. There's also a sense of things that only you know about yourself, mm. the hidden things being brought to light. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a cause of some apprehension. Yeah, I'm sure. So, but, you know, biblically, you know, we're, there's every indication that there is a... a a personal judgment of some sort you know there might mm. be aspects of some of those images that are to do with groups nations groups of people but you know there's biblically there's many references to a personal judgment and a whole range of imagery there some of them conflict mm. w- with each other potentially that you know if we have to give account but you know god jesus already knows everything that's in our heart yeah exactly so w- why why is that you know so so there's not necessarily coherent set of images there but all pretty intense and powerful mm. and, and could be terrifying. So how is it possible to look forward to that with boldness, confidence uh, and, and without fear? Yeah, so I, I think that there's, there's lots of ways that we could look at it, but I think there's there's a few things, maybe maybe three, three angles to just think about it. One of them is to just, uh, the, the first thing that we'll do in a minute is just recognize that there's a lots of metaphor and symbol that are going on in the mm. judgment pictures. So we'll think about that, given a couple of examples. And then you've, you've referred to a couple already, but there's lots of parables, aren't there, that talk about judgment. And I think that's really helpful just to think about all the different parables. That gives us a wide picture. And then um, 
And then this very specific idea about having to explain your life or give an account for something that you've done. And that, that that's that's a phrase that, that crops up a couple in a couple of places. So I think um, if we get there, we'll... We'll be able to look at a couple of those passages as well, and then and then just see you know when we've got to that have we have we got a firm picture of what Judgment Day personal judgment is going to be like? Have we got any indication from Scripture as to whether or not these images are things that are going to happen, like literally as Whitney mm. Houston was looking forward to, um, or <laughs> or um, you know. Is there another way of thinking about them? And well, let's just see where we go. Okay, so there's three three sections there then: uh, metaphors and symbols, parables, and then this giving of account idea. So let's let's get into the first of those and the metaphors uh, and symbols. Yeah, so the, we've already talked about it. This the idea of books being opened, which was in that Revelation passage, wasn't it? And so Jesus can consult yeah. the different books, see whose whose name is in the book of life. Um, if they're in, then they're you know they're they're through, but if they're not, they're cast into that lake of fire and so on. Mm. And so, so that that gives that courtroom impression. But we, I think when we're dealing with Revelation, we're dealing with a book of symbol, aren't we? Um, and this 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 metaphor of there being a book of life and that sort of thing keeps coming up throughout the Bible. Um, and there's other sorts of metaphors as well. Well, this is a really good verse actually in in Psalm Psalm 56 and verse eight. It's one of those Psalms of David who's in a bit of a, a a poor state of mind or in a bit of a bad situation. And he says, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Okay, so what he's saying is, I'm going through this terrible state and his tears, you know, he's crying every night. Um, he's tossing on his bed every night. And and yet God is is counting those things and he's catching his tears in God, in his bottle. That's... You know, and it's not literally catching David's tears in his bottle. There's no literal thing like that, but it's a vivid mm. metaphor, isn't it, of God knowing the suffering he's going through, and then are they not in your book? You, you know, so again, that's another metaphor of God knowing these things. So God knows all these things. So there's no, you know, no consultation of an actual book or scroll that's needed to to sort of review and and look at the life that you've you've had. It might be stating the obvious there, but but it, I, I think it's helpful just to just to step back and and realize that these are all ways of of telling us that God knows everything that we've done he, and he knows everything that we're right. going through and everything we're suffering which actually is a really comforting thing it ought to be a really really helpful and encouraging thing for us to to think about and then you get the book of life showing up in lots of different places it comes up in the life of Moses and it comes up you know even Paul refers to it just seemingly fairly randomly in one of his letters whose names are in the book of life again this metaphorical right. way of describing these are people who are you know in Christ they're part of God's family so i suppose seeing that concept there in the psalms sat side by side with the catching the tears in the bottle is 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 putting two concepts like side by side which just emphasizes that they are metaphors that they're, they're not there isn't a literal bottle of tears and there isn't by the same argument there isn't a literal book but it's about the concept of god god knowing uh, what's going on in the lives of of, of people mm. okay so so the so the books the and that courtroom setting judgment seat in revelation that's a sort of an extension of that courtroom metaphor kind of playing it out in full mm. 
but it's still a metaphor. So that that's fine, but that's not the only image or metaphor that that we've come across, e- even in just random musings so far. Yeah, that's right. And this is where the parables come in, because there's lots of different ideas there that come through in parables. I mean, that Jesus told lots of parables, lots of stories, all with with mm. a particular point that he was trying to to convey. And there's actually a lot that are parables of judgment, parables that that are talking about the or making the point that we're accountable for the things that we do. That's that's kind of the general point. Mm. Um, so to just sort of think and brainstorm about all the different parables very briefly. So, for example, you get the one um, in Matthew 25 about a shepherd dividing sheep and goats or, or a king dividing people like yeah. a shepherd divides sheep and goats, one, one on, yeah. on one hand, the other. So... So you get, you know, a, a shepherd imagery here and there's discussion then that follows. So if we're thinking about the idea of, you know, is, is Judgment Day going to involve a conversation? Yeah, there is a conversation between these yeah. people that are represented by the sheep and, and then the goats, but they're not asked to explain what they've done. They're, in actual fact, the, the faithful people, they're, they're, they're told that they're worthy, that they're faithful. And because they did X, Y, and Z, they, they did these good things. And then they, they didn't actually know they'd done them. They, they didn't realize. <laughs> so, so that's, that's quite an interesting concept. You know, they didn't have to justify themselves to, to get in, as it were, um, or explain their, what they've done wrong. You know, so, so there's, there's one example, um, from the parables. I mean, there's, there's a few little ones. There's things like, um, the great net part of Matthew 13. So that's a fisherman, fisher, fishing imagery isn't it where this net casts out there's good fish there's bad fish in the net bring it ashore and then they sift through it separate out and get rid of the bad fish yeah the point of it is to show well yeah that you know there's lots of people who are called there's lots of people that hear hear this sort of commission hear this this good news announcement um but actually there aren't there aren't only good fish at the end there is a there is a judgment but in keeping with the parable uh, and the idea of, of fish, there's no conversation with the fish because <laughs> you, you wouldn't expect that, would you? <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this, is a, this is a fisherman just picking up the their fish and seeing if anyone's rot- any of them are rotten or not, basically. so Yeah, and, and I, I get, whether it's right, it's not necessarily explicit there, but I get the impression that the number of good fish kept is the minority. Okay, yeah. Maybe. Or maybe you're reading into it something more than <laughs> intended. Yeah, that's entirely possible. That's, that's the, the pitfall of parables. Well, it was the many are called, few are chosen. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, so that may that may well work. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and, and then you get um, parables like the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids in Matthew 25 at the start of that chapter. Mm. So now we're in a wedding context. So this is a completely different image again. And the, the five mm. foolish virgins they don't have oil with them they uh, they have to go out and buy it they come back and the door is shut and they knock but there's no answer that you know that it's, it's a very different thing and and again yeah. this isn't how it's going to play out but the point is do use your time wisely while you're you mm. know while while you're living um i'm waiting for for judgment day effectively the one straight after that is the parable of uh the talents or you know it's an employment situation now isn't it where an employer a master gives the the servants or the employee some some money to to invest a, tal- a talent being hard currency rather than that's right a, an ability or maybe there's a a double meaning there <laughs> yeah yeah in the a double meaning only works in english <laughs> but yeah 
but yeah, yeah. So there, the you know, the point is they're meant to. Be, well, the point, you know, there is conversation there with the the master, the 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 boss, effectively, when he comes back. It fits mm. the the context there. There's a conversation about his business decisions about putting the the money in in a bag and dig, digging it in the ground, and whether that was actually a wise, smart move or not. All all of these are very different, aren't they? And that, and that makes sense to highlight all of those different metaphors and parables explaining something about judgment, but, in, but using different images and, and the courtroom metaphor being just one um, among that range of metaphors. And each one of, each one of them does seem designed to, to make a specific point about the, the, the judgment and the prospect of it. Uh, you know the 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 sheep and the goats. There's that conversation which is all about how you treat one another. So it's focusing on something now, really. The the net, if my uh, perception of it is <laughs> uh, is anywhere near correct, then you know it's it's perhaps saying something about there's there's few that are that are chosen out of a great many that might might be called. The ten virgins bridesmaids is all about preparation and and the. You know the talents about about making the most of what what you've got. That they're, so they're all saying different things, but I think all of them are actually saying something about the present more than they're saying something about yeah a future judgment day itself. So okay, so we've got a whole range of metaphors. None of them we should be thinking of. This is what the the day of judgment will actually look like mm-hmm. in a literal sense. That's fine, but there is this aspect which I think you said was going to be the third that we haven't come on to yet which is the the idea of giving an account mm. of of oneself and what have you done with your life Whitney Houston that's right so that comes from a, a couple of passages which I think we should just look at those so one of those is Romans in in the Paul's letters to Romans in chapter 14 we'll start on that one so Romans 14 and verse 10 well let, let's yeah I'll, I'll just read verse 10 to 12 so, why do you pass judgment on your brother, or why, or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So it's that verse 12 there, isn't it? Yeah. It seems to suggest each of us will give an account of himself to God. So, there you go, take that verse. Yeah. It sounds like... We we are going to have to. We're going to be asked, "What have you done with your life?" Mm. And we'll have to say whether we spent it, who we spent it with, and why we did it. So that that's you know it, the question is: Is that what this passage is about? And is that why Paul is okay. saying this? So that that's really what we need to think about. As always, context is important, isn't it? To think about what this chapter and this letter is all about. Paul is talking to a church in Rome where there are Jewish believers. And there are Gentile believers, so non-Jews as well. There's clearly quite a lot of difficulty in in meeting together and in participating in activities together and so on, because there's all sorts of divergent views, particularly along the Jewish-Gentile um, dividing line, like whether you observe a day like the Sabbath or not, or whether you eat uh, you eat meat or whether you choose to abstain because you don't know how the meat whether the meat's kosher or, or not and you choose only to eat vegetables yeah. and so some fairly significant differences and it 
you know, cultural differences between different people groups that are going on, but having a major impact in in the church life, effectively, to the point that, you know, they're dividing over it. Mm. And and judging each other about it, you know, you know, that we haven't got time now, but the whole chapter and a couple of chapters around it are all about this, aren't they? These these uh, some people are, are despising others and then other other people are they're judging the others and there's really sort of hard feeling against each other but what paul is saying then is this in verse 10 why are you passing judgment on your brother why are you despising your brother because we'll all stand before the judgment seat of god so the point there's the emphasis is uh, the point he's making is we're accountable to god we're not accountable to each other christians aren't aren't there to uh, police each other and to to get other Christians to act in the, exactly the same way as as themselves, mm. um, because we at the end of the day we're accountable to God. So that that's the point. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. So you know, there's the emphasis. The emphasis is giving an account to God and through through Christ, who's obviously appointed on on His behalf. Yeah. So when you when you think about what the point of Paul is trying to say, you know, is is it therefore right to take that verse and think he's also explaining um, how it's going to happen? That's the question. And you'd you'd think that was taking it a little a little further than it was intended. Yeah. The the context, as you've just described it, with this tension between the Jewish parts of the church and the Gentile parts of, of the church in Rome. Just earlier, it talks about you know Christ died for all of them. Mm. You know, so so how can you you know, behave like this to to your brother for whom Christ died, and maybe, maybe the emphasis which just occurred to me as as you were talking through it. It's you know, don't you know that we will all? It's not just Jews that will stand before the judgment seat, or it's not just Gentiles that will stand before it. Mm. The emphasis on all, all of that church uh, will stand before the same and be accountable to the same God. Yeah, I think that's right. So, so actually, uh, as well. So that verse twelve, um, the NRSV translates that. So then each one of us will be accountable to God, that this is what it means. It's not, it's not actually yeah. conveying the, what we're going to be doing there. That's not the point of the passage. The point is that we're accountable to him and we're not therefore accountable to each other. And rather than describing a, a future process or a future event at which words are exchanged mm. in a giving of account, it's, it's, it's expressing an underlying reality. We are accountable for what we do in our lives too. Yeah. To a higher authority. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's that's good. That's useful. That's helpful. But there is another verse which I've got in my mind, which, uh, to be honest, freaks me out <laughs> when 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 I think about it, or it has done at times. And it's in it's it's in Matthew twelve. And I know just in conversation with other people, it it does make people feel apprehensive. I think about about the judgment. It's in Matthew chapter twelve. And a couple of verses, uh, verses 36 and 37. So, so Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Mm. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. So, you know, every careless word. Mm. Uh, wow. Um, what, what are we to make of that? Yeah. Everything you ever said when you, when you shouldn't have done, you're going to have to, you know, to explain it. I mean, it, it does. It sounds like that's what what he's saying there. This is this is the words of Jesus here, of course. Now, so you know, is, is that what he means? And and again, I I just think its context is really important, just to to work out exactly what what he's talking about. So he's talking. This is in a um a conversation with the the Pharisees who were uh, are opposing him, and 
you know, effectively theological opponents. And he, he's making the point, verse 33, when he uses a, a metaphor of, of a tree, if, if the tree is good, um, then it brings forth good fruit. And if the tree is bad, it brings forth bad fruit. The tree is known by its fruit. So the, the point is, if you've got a rotten tree, the fruit is going to be rotten. So if you're a rotten person, then the things that you do and the things that you say are going to be rotten. They're going to be. If you're evil, then if you're the, your heart is in, in the wrong place, then the things that you end up doing and saying are going to end up being being evil, effectively. They're going to show that. Mm. And then, you know, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that, that's the, the point he's making here is is that and then he so then he carries on the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil i tell you on the day of judgment people will give account for every careless word they speak for by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned so in the context of this good tree bad tree idea where the 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 bad tree is bringing forth these this bad fruit effectively the things they're doing are are evil and that's mm. showing up what's wrong with their character what's wrong with their heart and so on so if you're the sort of person of these pharisees were the sort of people that were always bringing forth these careless idle words these these vindictive and judgmental and overbearing and oppressive and abusive things that they said and the things that they did then it's not it's not that they're going to have to explain all those things it's they're accountable and they're judged on the basis of those things because they show what their 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 true colors they show what they're really like inside so that's that's what it that's what i think it's saying i don't i don't think we 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 take that passage as jesus needs us to then to explain the things that we've we've all said he's just making he's making this really clear point that you know there, there is a difference if you your heart's in the right place, then you will find yourself bringing forth good fruit, like a, mm. like a good tree. Um, that's, you know, more often than not, that's the thing. And uh, so, you know, th- th- this, this is a really interesting passage, this one, because it's one that does bring about a fair bit of somber reflection, I think, because, because there is a really good indicator here for what we're like, what we're, mm. as human beings, what sort of people we're like. And if we find ourselves being too similar to these these Pharisees or, or the people that Jesus is res- describing about, these people bearing forth good fruit. And I'm thinking of passage in um, Paul's letters to the Galatians where he talks about the works of the flesh and he uses that as the opposite from the fruit of the Spirit. You know, there's that two ideas again. If, if, if your life is characterized by those things, then you probably have got something to really seriously think about. The thing to fear isn't that we've got to try and explain and give a good reason why we... Uh, why we cursed or why we why we said something nasty to so and so it's not that's not about that's not where the fear is the fear is this is this is illustrating what's going on inside us so we need to again think in the present and think about how we we think about our lives that seems to me to be consistent with other ideas about about judgment in that it's not about the outward show it's about the heart, mm. uh, you know, so the the good tree, bad tree metaphor is is a good way of thinking about that. I mean, uh, we haven't really looked much at the Old Testament, but there's a, a reference to, you know, the um, the the branch uh, uh, from the stump of Jesse uh, in Isaiah chapter 11, not judging according to the sight of his eyes or the hearing uh, of his, of his ears, uh, but judging righteously. So it isn't on you know, yeah. just those careless words. It, it is on 
on, on what's underneath where that fruit comes from ultimately in the uh, in the overall direction of life hmm. I think um, I'm going to try and summarise mm-hmm. what, what we've covered so far. Um, so we started out with this usual picture or this common image of the courtroom and the books being opened and so on, and, and recognised that as a metaphor rather than as a as a picture of something something real. And and that, alongside a whole range of different metaphors and images and symbols, are used to to, to teach us that there is a reality. Uh, about about a judgment, uh, and that we are accountable to God, and, and that it's it's far too simplistic just to see those as as an as an account of what what will happen, but that perhaps what we should be doing with each of those images and metaphors is to is to look at them and think about them about what they tell tell us, perhaps a little bit more about what we choose to do now uh, rather than uh, a picture of what of something that will will happen in in the future. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we haven't actually answered the question, what will the judgment day be like? Mm. We've kind of almost said, well, all these descriptions that, <laughs> that are given, these images, are not what it will be like. Mm. <laughs> or may not be, um, yeah. So I just, I just want to kind of, yeah, let's finish off with this challenge then. You know, perhaps we're, we're taking all those, those images and metaphors and, and just saying they're only metaphors and sort of watering them down a bit. And that's because we're, we're just taking a, a wimpy Western liberal approach to this <laughs> and finding a way to soften the language, mm. uh, which is pretty graphic in some, in some cases. And by saying they're just metaphors, they won't really happen in reality. Are we weakening the impact uh, that they should have? You know, aren't we supposed to fear God who is a consuming fire and, 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 and are we watering down the faith of some and opening the door to backsliding and, justifying an easier life and the trumpet should be giving a certain sound otherwise people won't respond. You, you, you get the gist you can you can see yeah. how some people might, might might claim that yeah yeah so we need to think through that and and i was as he was saying that i was thinking of some passages in hebrews and and then you went and said our oh, god is a consuming fire which hebrews <laughs> that comes from the old testament doesn't it yeah. but it's, it's quoted in hebrews so and and hebrews is one of the books of the new testament that's interesting because it really does have imagery and and wording and pictures about a fearful judgment and and this whole whole idea of our god is a consuming fire it's not a watering down i think what we've established is you know we are accountable there is a judgment there is a very real judgment what the fear and terror of the judgment shouldn't be on picturing a scene and being worried about getting tongue-tied about explaining what we've done (laughs) with our life that you know that that sounds an awful thing to go through and really you know who knows what it's going to be like who knows what the judgment day is actually going to going to be like as we've seen i don't think we can pinpoint it the fear is knowing that we have a calling to follow but refusing to do it and knowingly doing that and and knowing what is in store effectively mm. there's something about that to fear but what hebrews also does is um make it really clear that if you're following jesus if you're in christ baptized into Christ and you know all those different things and a part of this new covenant as as Hebrews describes it you know, there really is 
there really is nothing to fear. So there's this real deep divide there. So, for example, Hebrews chapter 10, well, verse 16, it, this is a quote from Jeremiah, actually, where he says about a new covenant I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws, laws on their hearts, write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there's no more any offering for sin. And the point there is there's true forgiveness. God doesn't remember sins anymore. So so that metaphor of the book and imagining mm. a courtroom where you're going to get asked to explain the things that you've done wrong, um, that doesn't fit with this passage in Roman in, in Hebrews where God forgets and does not remember these things anymore. And I think that's a really important passage to take because then it goes on to say verse 19 therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of jesus and, and it goes on to say we can do these things we can draw near we can live life in this way we can encourage other people we can you know there's lots of things we can do there's other parts of this book as well that talk about having confidence because he's like us he's the person who was tempted like us he he can have mm. sympathy and an understanding so you know the very the point that he he judges us is 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 wonderful because we wouldn't want anyone else to judge us <laughs> we wouldn't want anyone else to to be the the one the arbiter of our life we we want jesus to be that um because he he completely understands so that you know that's another angle that hebrews talks about and and that all just brings us back to that first john 4 passage about having boldness in the day of judgment and because there's love you know there's love of christ love of love of god and if we're in that then then really you know there is no fear in love okay so there's actually a, a new concept that that we've just introduced right at the end there which uh, is probably set up for another podcast at some point which is forgiveness which is effectively the bridge from our god is a consuming fire and, and that and that fearful looking looking for uh, judgment to being confident not fearing is is the is the knowledge of forgiveness and the forgetting of those things okay so we 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 better draw to a close but it's you mentioned right at the end there you know this is with 1 John 4 and we're talking here about a god who so loved the world that he gave his his only begotten son and uh, you know that's that's the characteristic that should shine through uh, in the way that we think about this god wants god wants people to come to him and to be saved he's looking for a response from us and uh, and that's that's something you know you and i are trying to trying to do and understand what it is what it means to live that out and uh, and we're very eager to have other people uh, live that out and try and do that with us so um so look look for other people to do that and think about these things mm. with and uh, and you know, maybe look at your local Christadelphia and see what they think about this, and join us and them on on this journey of uh, of discovery. So, thank you very much, Dan. I think we've got some really really good perspectives on it there, and ways ways to think about it, ways to read the kind of passages that that talk about it. So, I hope that's been uh, interesting for uh, for you if you are listening to this. Comments as usual on um, on our website biblefeed.org. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you, Dan, and uh, thank you everyone for listening. Until next time. You've been listening to the Bible Feed podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're always keen to hear what you think and hear your questions on subjects you'd like us to discuss. Get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send us a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey.